HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have a good buddy of ours actually coming back for the first time since I believe you were on the third episode of the Speakeasy. Something like that. Third or fourth. Um, we'll ask Jack about that. He can look that up fast. <laughs> um, but uh, back, Thomas Waugh. Come back to the studio, back to the Speakeasy. Good to have you back. I mean, I've seen you outside, you know, out and about outside of uh, the studio or work. It's like shouldn't call it because it's not really that it's good to be work. back yeah thanks for having me. episode man. two episode two holy oh. cow that's right nice. who was one brian miller yeah it was yeah, nice it was brian miller, was brian miller. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah you've been busy lately you are now the director of bar operations for major major um, food group. major food group which includes parm and teresi Italian Ter- specialties and uh carbone which is the bar program you've been working on lately yeah that's where i'm spending all my time now that's why I haven't seen you too often. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't even remember what we talked about last time you were on, on this show. I mean, I'm sure we talked a, a bunch of nerdy bar talk. But uh, I don't know. I think you and I, over the past two years, have kind of moved in different directions from the, the uber nerd den, you know, uh, as far as, like, cocktails go. Definitely. Um Still, you know, obviously very, like, interested in all the the techniques and stuff. I think now it's become, like, more of, like, a part of our, like, repertoire, wouldn't you say? Like, it's something you don't even think about anymore. Yeah, I'd say definitely the bar scene in general is just starting to mellow out a little bit, I think. Certain things are becoming norm now, you know. Like I was telling you earlier, I think using fresh juices and nice spirits and fresh vermouth and stuff, that's just sort of become a norm now. I think we're trying to find a way to keep progressing without being too pretentious you know the bar scene has definitely gotten a little pretentious i think in, yeah. in the past year so figuring out ways to make it fun but still progress and try to be the best i feel like you know like <clears throat> there's there's 
this you know obviously there were over the past few years there was kind of like uh, little in little waves like backlashes against like the cocktail bar and like the uh, <coughs> the very exclusive like door policy like no windows uh, three hour wait if we even let you in kind of thing um, right and what's cool about that too is like it's not only like customers kind of getting pissed off about that but then like regular like everyday bartenders that you know or like neighborhood people or restaurant bartenders they've started up up in their game because they see that obviously for one there's a career in it yeah um but also it's like hey man come to our bar we're actually nice to you and we have like good drinks you know yeah we're not gonna like kill you with like molecular gastronomy but you know it's like yeah it's so we're all kind of going back to like a bar being a bar it's funny people seem to like be they like to hate you know customers i'd say like to hate well even even colleagues and you know friends i guess you know and everyone likes to hate on each other especially you know when you see change happening and people don't like in general don't really like change until you expose it to them enough that you know that they suddenly realize oh i am spoiled i do like that manhattan the way that you know damon makes it over at prime meats like it's it's kind of like how um i got into coffee and stuff in the beginning, you know, it was easy, you know, it's easy to talk shit about the fancy, you know, Uber coffee, you know, pour over and, you know, all the fancy drinks. But then once you are exposed, to, we've been exposed to it for enough years now where it's like nobody goes to the deli and gets a black coffee really. I mean, I wouldn't say nobody, but people that care, you know, it's just interesting how uh, how things evolve when you're just constantly being, you know, hit with it. You know, everywhere yeah. you go, it's like, oh. Like really going to talk shit about getting a really nice drink, a well-made drink? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're strange. trying to say is like it's so many of these things have become the norm that it's, it's really where anywhere you go, you should be able to expect like to get a good coffee, good cocktail, right? An awesome pair of jeans, uh, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Seriously though, it's like you know, with yeah. all the artisanal craft like producers, it's like <clears throat> it's more of a norm. And like I don't know, maybe it does make that bodega coffee seem a little bit shitty <laughs> but we're used to it for so long yeah but i don't know sometimes you also wanted to crack open a budweiser too and sometimes you want that bodega coffee that's so. the thing yeah that's true that's true that's where like when the, the dive bar thing comes into it you know that's where you go to sort of leave your leave your place <laughs> leave your work for me anyway yeah i love dive bars yeah me too i mean like i, I don't know i you know i go back and forth like what i'm when it, like what my end goal is like the bars I want to open, right. most of them are dive bars. Yeah. <laughs> like all these uh, yeah. business plans I've got going, yeah. which is great because you really don't have to write much of a business plan. True, <laughs> you just have to have really good taste in music. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and really shitty taste in decor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, the program at Carbone. <clears throat> what you've been working on as far as like tell us. I mean, give us the rundown of like the the restaurant in general. Yeah. Okay. Well, so Carbone is. Um, we, we've been open for about three weeks now. Well, if you count our week of friends and family, it's been a month. But it's uh, the same owners. It's the major food group who owns Terezi Italian Specialty. It's Rich Terezi, Mario Carbone, and Jeff Zelaznik are the main owners. There's you know a slew of investors, of course, but um, just like anything. But um, basically what we've decided to do with this project, Carbone, is it, you know it, it's hard to explain without it sounding cheesy or sticky it in a way it is a little bit sticky but we're we're taking our inspiration from the old new york italian not italian italian not rustic italian we're going for like a very new york vibe these guys are like very very passionate about new york in like researching for this whole idea they 
ate at every single old school New York Italian restaurant, in all the boroughs, even in, into Jersey. You know, <clears throat> everybody, I feel like almost everyone that's grown up in the United States can relate to an experience growing up where their parents took you to this old, like, kind of, gr- not grimy, but, you know, like the old school New York, mid-century style New York Italian or like a t- American Italian restaurant, you know, with the red and white checkered tablecloths yeah, totally. and, you know, breadsticks bread and stuff. Yeah, of course. You know, there's like a million, you know, sort of uh, generalizations about these places and they're there because they're true. We wanted to do that idea, mm-hmm. but actually make it really good. Take the approach that we take at Teresi Italian Specialties, which is very, very, very much about high quality food and, and the ingredients being very high quality, the technique, the, everything about cooking, everything that goes onto the plate is exquisite. So you're, so Carbone basically, we, we, the, the space is on Thompson Street between Houston and Bleecker. It's in, it's across the street from Mario Batali's Lupa. It's in the old uh, Rocco space. And a lot of people are familiar yeah. at least with the sign, the Rocco sign. Yeah. You've seen it. I don't know. A lot of people, a lot of people who in the neighborhood have been coming in and saying, "Oh, we eaten at Rocco since you know 1926 or whatever." Um, I never ate there, so I, I don't know a whole lot about Rocco's food. Um, but I do know that it was sort of a beloved neighborhood spot, an institution, so to speak. So to, to have that space was pretty amazing for us in the idea as far as the theme and what we wanted to do with it. I know a lot of people are a little, a little, you know, a little salty about, you know, that transition and whatnot. And, you know, you're always going to have people who, again, don't want change and want everything right. to stay the same. But we're really, we honored, you know, we, I think we really honored Rocco in, in the sense we, we kept the sign up. We did have, you know, the, the lighting, the neon sign, carbone over uh, Rocco, but the Rocco sign is still there during the day. You can't even see the Carbone sign. All you, you still only see the, the Rocco sign. That's cool. And there's so many things about the restaurant, the decor, too, that we kept the same, even though we had to gut it because it was just a really old restaurant. You know, like things were just deteriorating. Yeah. We gutted it, but we rebuilt it uh, the same way that it was built before. That's cool, man. So it's, like very, it's very cool. People who knew Rocco from back in the day walk in and they go, wow, this is crazy. Like this, it's like, what is this? You know, like, like they're kind of confused. Like, did you keep this? No, you didn't. And, but no, I'd say along with like uh, the theme of the restaurant, the food is very much, we take classic dishes, classic cocktails. Everything is very much in the theme of the 1950s, you know, yeah. the, from the music to the drinks. Um, and we try to keep that sort of center, but then elevate that and, and modernize it in a way. So yeah. that's basically the idea of Carbone. Yeah, and like you were saying, like I, actually when you were working on the menu a few months back, um, you were showing me like examples of like the really old school like cocktail menus, right? Where it's just like lists of like yeah. Gimlet, like Tom Collins, and it's like right. six dollars and seventy five cents, you know? Yeah, and uh, just like all the general classics. Com- yeah, coming from Death and Company, if you guys have ever been there, you'd know that it's like a reading that menu is kind of like reading the Bible. Like nobody really wants to read it. <laughs> it's like so. It's been it's been a refreshing project for me because I'm doing the complete opposite. Where you know, like you said, looking at old menus, you would just see it was just a list. It said Martini, Manhattan, Gimlet. It had the price. It didn't even have didn't even have you know the description. It didn't have even the list of ingredients. It, so we're we're sticking to that sort of same idea and only having classic cocktails. But again, just like the kitchen, 
would take a classic dish, you know, like scampi or, you know, you know, um, you know, taking classic. Yeah, exactly. You're taking those things that you would see on an old menu in those places and getting something that's recognizable, but, but very different flavor wise, very heightened in a, in a way. Yeah. You know, and like kind of going back to what we were saying before about like, you know, even like with the kind of, we're starting to see this like modern trend of, uh, bars and restaurants that are getting away from like what we were saying before, like being so exclusive and actually getting back to having more fun with it and being more inviting and like kind of like upping that kind of like family style and like customer service and like you know trying to like include people right. instead of like push them out <clears throat> carbone's all about that it's, i think anyone that, that actually goes and has an experience there is going to love it because it's all about an, an, an it's an entertainment you know it's a whole setting of entertainment you know the uh, we refer to a lot of our uh, a lot of our service techniques as moves like he's got moves you know and the idea behind our moves is that you you get you get a little bit of a show, you know. You get something. You get you get a, a waiter that comes to your you know table in a, in a burgundy tuxedo, and <laughs> immediately already has he's already holding this giant wheel of of cheese that Murray's uh, dunks in Chianti for three days and then ages in their cellars. Like the food is very serious, but it, and at the same time, but when you sit at your table, it. exactly like the, the waiter comes to your table with this giant chunk of cheese and just. Before you even ask you what water you want, you just you get a big piece of parm you know you get a big piece of parmesan cheese on your on that's your, awesome on a, on your bread plate you know dude I love stuff like that man that's and you know especially like with you know with the dead rabbit just opening like what was like a month ago maybe not even something like, like that. they they also like it's like an amuse bouche you know you, they bring out like a small glass of punch and like really cool old china and it's like. Wow, we haven't even gotten our waters yet, but you're like already like buying us drinks. Yeah, and, like, it's, I think it's, it's all about the amuse bouche. It's so it's cool. Like, the first thing that you see is like, bam, you just got something for free. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, and it's like, whoa, and if it's delicious, it's even better. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's like my job. My job at Carbone is is to finish the night. Everyone, everyone, every single customer gets free limoncello, house made limoncello, and infused grappa. Nice. So. Nice. Is it your uh, personal limoncello recipe? It is indeed. I've had that a few times. Yeah, <laughs> I, I worked on it quite a bit. I think uh, maybe you haven't had the final final, but I've been. It's been an evolution. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't remember. <laughs> There's been a <laughs> That's lot of the idea. Yeah. All right, Thomas. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with Thomas Wah of Carbone. You are listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by the Dead Stars on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
first ranch grass-fed beef. Pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, free-range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, the authentic flavor of the American West. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. In the studio today, we have my good old buddy Thomas Waugh of Carbone. And we were just talking about this new restaurant uh, from the Teresi and Parm group. And uh, it's cool. First of all, like I really like it when when you're talking about old school New York restaurants and you know, re- like basically renovating what was originally there, taking like the original furniture stuff, even using the original sign of Rocco. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those things that like really pisses me off about this city. It's like there's so much like. First of all, just like coming from a design background and just like architecture, like the love of architecture and all that stuff. It's like so many cool buildings and so many cool establishments that have been like torn apart to make something really dumb happen and <laughs> to preserve like the the good like profile of classic New York. I think it's really cool. Um, and you know, furthermore, you're talking about like the dishes you have there and how they're like inspired by the classics. But obviously, you can't just make the classics because then why would why would you want to go check out this new restaurant and have the same shit that someone else has? Right. Yeah, I think <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. If you go on Eater and read read about Carbone right now, it's it's fucking ridiculous. There there's like a there's a thread about the Caesar salad at Carbone, and it goes. I couldn't even read the entire thread. It was it was so long, and people are up in arms about how our Caesar is not a classic Caesar. I think it has. Uh, on, to be perfectly honest with you, I couldn't tell you every single ingredient that's in our Caesar, and I couldn't tell you what ev- every ingredient is in a, yeah, in a classic <laughs> Caesar. But to me, it seems a little ridiculous how upset people get about <clears throat> something changing again, like going back to like how people hate change so much. Why would you go to a restaurant and have the classic Caesar salad that you had when you were in Italy? Like, well, you know, you're in New York now. Why can't you take a classic dish and tweak it the way you want it to be tweaked to make it taste better or different you know it's yeah it's like roberta's has the best fucking pizza in new york city and they don't even have pepperonis (laughs) ftw yeah (laughs) so yeah i guess taking that that idea of of taking a classic and tweaking it is is exactly what we decided to do with the cocktail menu as well it's all classic cocktails uh very very simple recognizable drinks the manhattan our gibson is sort of our house martini even though we do make martinis and i do make plenty of dirty martinis as well and I just, you know, basically taking classic drinks and tweaking them enough that you could still call them a classic. At least I feel like I can still call it a classic, but it being different enough to be interesting and and better. I don't know. Yeah, it's like putting a fancy paint better, job but... on a Camaro. It's like, yeah, it's not a stock color. It's still a Camaro, though. Right. And the color is better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you talk to co- any cocktail purist, like Toby Cicchini, to name one, he'd probably flip his lid if he yeah. saw my cocktail menu he would he'd, he'd probably roll over and die but uh it, I, I don't know i think it, it, at some point you have to just free yourself from you know these like restrictions that come along with classic purism you know yeah i mean the argument would be that that you should give it a different name right a lot of times but at the same time it's if you don't mess with it that much i think you know if it's yeah well it's kind of bullshit too when you look at a cocktail menu and it's like oh it's the 
you know, dwarves head or something like that, but it's really a zombie with like a extra dash of absinthe. I don't know. You know no, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. But that's like the his, that's like the whole history in like timeline of cocktails in general, like classic cocktails. It's like, oh, for instance, like you said, like martinis and Gibsons. It's like it's the same fucking drink. You just change the garnish, right? And it's still something that's like brined. Right. You know, it's like, come on, you gave it a whole different name. Yeah. Seriously, come on, man. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with doing that. I do it on the prime meats menu, like our house Manhattan or house old fashioned. Right. You know, they're made with two different types of uh, uh, homemade bitters, and like people will, you know. And judge. ultimately, what are you going to do? But, You're going to go there and drink. Like, yeah. Why? Why do you go to a bar? Why do you go? Why do you go step up to a bar? You go there to have fun, get loose, drink, yeah. Meet people, talk to people. Like, we're missing the point here. You know, like yeah. Break my iPhone on the floor <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Drop your iPhone in the toilet. <laughs> uh. Hi. There are people <clears throat> waving at us. Um. So, for, okay. Then give us some examples of uh, your classic. Uh, cocktails at at Carbo. Well, while we're on the subject of the Gibson, I'll just tell you exactly what I do with the Gibson. Um, I'm playing, so I'm, I'm playing off of the idea that the the Gibson is sort of a savory style martini, but also the mo- the best Gibsons I've ever had have also been a slightly wetter version of a martini. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have been to Keen's Chop House numerous times, and that's that's our drink, you know. Yeah, Boodles Gibsons, man. Boodles Gibsons, and I, it's exactly what I use. I use Boodles. Uh, I add a pinch of salt to give it that little bit of brine, a little briny flavor, but I also go slightly wet on it. The vermouth that I use is um, infused with rosemary. So we're adding a little bit of a sweet, savory, salty uh, element to a classic martini, basically. Uh, but still very much just a martini, you know, I think. I think it's just it's just a martini. If you looked at it and you sipped at it, you would say, <laughs> oh, this is a martini. You would recognize it as a martini, but... It has some very subtle flavors that are sort of playing playing with your uh, playing with your memory of a martini, I guess. Yeah, you know, the, just to add something to that, it's like I feel like very rarely does anyone, when they order a martini, actually want a martini. You know what I mean? Right. They don't want it. They don't want it two to one. They want it very very dry, or they want it dirty. So no, I. It, that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. If you want to talk about classics right now, like martini circa when. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to talk about a martini, it was a it was a sweet vermouth drink. It's yeah. hardly even a hardly a gin drink, you know. Yeah. What? Well, so I know you were playing around with also like another classic that we all love, uh, the daiquiri. Yep. Okay. So my our daiquiri again. Again, I'm taking some liberties here. If you look, if you you know, if you see, if you watch me make the daiquiri, you'll notice I pick up a bottle of, of chartreuse, yellow chartreuse. It's I know a lot of cocktail purists, again, would be like, what are you doing putting chartreuse in a daiquiri that doesn't belong there? And I agree with you for the <laughs> most part. But what are you going to do? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make the best version of a daiquiri I can make. So basically our daiquiri is, uh, is, is pretty much a riff on a Daisy de Santiago, which is an uh, old Char- Charles H. Baker cocktail. It was his favorite version of a daiquiri. And if you know who Charles H. Baker is, he was an awesome drinker. Awesome writer, <laughs> he was um, an awesome drinker. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. Bro. So we're uh, you know I, I'm putting my daiquiri on crushed ice. It's very much a classic daiquiri in the sense it's just fresh lime juice, sugar, um, and white rum. But then I'm, I'm I'm also serving it on crushed ice, so um, it's sort of presented in a goblet as you would might get a you know a, like in a, the back in the day like at a, one of these places, totally. right? You know, like a blended oh, daiquiri. Awesome. It's it's not exactly blended. It's still shaken and 
poured over crushed ice, but it is presented as almost like a blended daiquiri. That's awesome. And then you get a float of you get a float of chartreuse over the top and grated lime zest over the top. It's like it's a daiquiri. It, to me, it's a daiquiri. Yeah, yeah. It's not exactly you know you can call it a daiquiri number eight or something if, if you wanted to, <laughs> but I, I'm not going to do that. Well, I will. That's how I'm going to order it when I come. <laughs> you get like five daiquiri number eights. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gives uh, like. So you were saying also about the Manhattan, like, and we were talking about it before the show, that, you know, about adding a dash of, like, mole bitters or, you know, subbing out, like, different vermouth and stuff. Where do you stand with that? Yeah, I mean, I, this is the way I see it. If, if no matter what, you're going to have haters or people are going to go, if they're, they're going to read your menu and if it says it's called the, you know, the Tran, Tranhattan or something, I don't know, and it's just a difference of a Tran- dash of bitters... <laughs> Really, yeah. and and you're gonna call it something else? I think that's just stupid. You might have—I I don't know. If you if you'd had, if we'd had this interview a year ago, I might have had something completely different to say. But I'm always changing my mind about about things. And that's good. I mean, you should. The the idea of this restaurant was to make a classic cocktail menu with drinks that are better than the classic. I like. And that I can't. It's... I can't tell you. I can't guarantee you that it's better than the classic. But I can tell you that it's different and. Interesting. I think what you're trying to say is that it would be better than the classic on the menu from the time period. Oh, it's definitely better <laughs> better than the classic on the menu from the time period. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I don't think after after you know you know after prohibition, the, the state of cocktail making and the craft just went completely to shit. Yeah, and only now are we finally getting back to it. Yeah, but so. also like, yeah, I mean like. I I find it to be uh, a very admirable program, you know, like, especially because I know when you were at Death & Company, you always had a uh, section on the menu that was called the Redemption section, and there was, you did a, uh, like, a grasshopper or a stinger? Both. Both. (laughs) I actually have a stinger on the menu at at Carbone as well. Nice. And, like, there were other ones, like... uh, and give me an example. I think there was like a pina colada at one point. Yeah, we had a pina colada. We did a we did a mudslide. Yeah, there was a mudslide, but it was like that version. It was like that page on the menu where it was like, here are these like classics. And actually, kind of from that era that you're exactly. doing at Carbone. Yeah, exactly. Fifties, sixties, seventies. Yeah, when we we're just using terrible, <laughs> terrible products. Right. And uh, yeah, like you said, redeeming them. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea, you know. <coughs> We're also opening uh we're opening a, a cocktail bar down the street, just like four or five doors down from Carbone. It's gonna oh, be cool. called the Lobster Club, which is where that's where that's where like a little bit more of a creative thing is gonna come or something hopefully a little bit more original is gonna come out. Um but yeah, Lobster Club is gonna be it's gonna an amazing uh, idea, I think. It's it's gonna be a sandwich shop during the day and we're gonna serve just serve lobster club sandwiches. <laughs> uh, with your choice of red or white sauce, it's like a very simple thing, but we're going for like a very specific thing. You know, it's going to be lobster club sandwiches during the day. We're going to close down for a few hours in, the in between period, like between you know lunch and dinner, and at night when we open, it's going to be like a stunning cocktail lounge. Cool. And we're going to have raw bar, small bites, you know, maybe some bruschettas and some small things to sort of as food to aid you in your drinking and yeah. whatnot. And you were saying before the show that maybe you guys were going to do some. You're going to get a little bit more tech with with some of the ingredients. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 uh, at Carbone, I, I think it's to me it's it's simple. Yeah. 
to a lot of people it's not you know like it but you know it's just like anything if you're if you're a chef and you're used to being around all this all these gadgets all the time you know it's just it's nothing to you i guess i'm not tooting my own horn here but to me carbone is simple and classic and that's that lobster club is going to be more challenging i guess i'm going to try to utilize as much as i know try to utilize as, uh, the kitchen as much as I can. I want my garnishes to be, you know, outstanding. I want it, I want it just to be, like, like I said, at Carbone, we have table-side moves. I want Lobster Club for the cocktails to have table-side moves. Nice. I want it to be, I want some things to be presented to you at your table that are going to stun you. You should have, like, a punch bowl with, like, a live lobster in it, just, like, <laughs> shooting just, fireworks out of just, it yeah just like <laughs> stirring up the drink like awesome that's an amazing idea i think i'm gonna all right thank you for that yeah yeah you heard it here first <laughs> all right thomas man it's been really good talking to you i'm glad you came back on the show thanks so much for having really me, stoked man. for checking out uh carbone and lobster club as soon as it's open um do you happen to have an eta on that lobster club is supposed to be open in a month from now but you know how restaurant so, bar two months go we're going to say two months. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I don't right. want to get in trouble. <laughs> All right, Thomas, man. It's great having you. Yeah, you too, And buddy. come back anytime. Thank you so much, man. All right, that's it for this week on The Speakeasy. Till next week, Damon Bolte. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.